Welcome to our Spiritual Resilience Podcast with Reverend Rich Taffel, a transformative leader and executive coach in areas of public policy, social change, and spiritual entrepreneurship. We understand that today's life and social challenges require a more holistic approach, including spiritual tools, thoughtful dialogue, and of course, community building. Join us in the conversation. Today, I'd like us to talk a little bit about climate change and look at it also through a spiritual lens and a very practical lens. What can we do about it? Now, climate change means different things to different people. And so for our purposes today, I'm just going to describe climate change as uh, in a very simple definition as the environmental impact that we've had really from the past 200 years of millions of human beings burning millions of fossil fuels in a very short period. And this industrialization of burning uh, fuel has created pollution in the air and ultimately has led to higher temperatures in our atmosphere, which actually leads to uh, not just pollution, but chaotic and dangerous weather patterns that we're all experiencing. And it's interesting, even on this topic, like so many of our topics, it is polarized. People from different political backgrounds um, actually see it from different perspectives. So that's interesting, but I think uh, there's a more of a growing understanding that it's a serious issue. It's just for some people, it's not the top of their ish, uh, list of things that they're concerned and others, it definitely is. So most global leaders now see it as a major issue and they're gathering at this very moment in Scotland and they're all making pledges, um, many of them, some, some of the major players are not there, but they're making pledges on what they can do uh, to affect climate change and, and to reduce the, the harm being done. Now, Christians have traditionally taken a back seat on environmental issues, uh, often in more um, evangelical face, they've looked at uh, earth as uh, something that God created for human beings to use and need and uh, that it's sort of in God's hands. The more secular culture that we live in has uh, been more concerned about the issue. And many have pointed out that climate change for many secular people has almost become a new religion. So what about the Bible? We always look at that. Does it give us any guidance on this topic? Uh, that, that Psalm that we read today, there are many like that where we learn about the beauty of the earth created as God's creation and that we're supposed to be stewards and taking care of it. But uh, as far as people speaking in the Bible about the situation we're facing today, there's not really any verses say, you know, how to deal with environmental issues directly. Uh, you can take it more that God has given us uh, freedom and responsibility and an obligation to do good in the world and that we have a stewardship responsibility. Swedenborg uh, in that text that we read today offers a somewhat unusual view of nature. He is trying to say in that text that God didn't simply just start the earth through evolution, which we believe, but he's also arguing that God is sort of um, breathing life into all of nature all the time. He uses the word influx, but God is the force of nature that keeps it going. Nature itself doesn't run on its own. And this view is not widely held today. 
but it, I would say personally, it gives me some sense of peace that the future of the planet's not something that's simply left in, in mankind's hands. That doesn't mean that uh, we can't make things really bad because we know that we have the ability to either choose good or evil, but it does sort of suggest that God wouldn't allow us to destroy ourselves. So the question then for spiritual seekers, as we are each week, is so what's our role? So much of the climate change discussion is really very intellectual. People are in a spectator role, they're watching from the sidelines and commenting and kind of you know, pretending to be engaged because we say we recycle, but not really involved in the bigger issue and it's because it's so hard and it's global. So are there things that we could do as individuals to address climate change? Uh, if, if not, it can be quite uh, a nihilistic conversation. Um, I've been at a number of conferences where they just basically say, look, it's over, it's done, we're cooked, 10 years. And, um, but then we have to do this, that, or the other. And I've asked the speakers, you know, if you, if you think your car is going off a cliff, why would you tell someone to put on their seatbelt? In other words, if, if, you know, if there's nothing we can do, then why do anything? So I think we don't want to get into the situation where um, the reality of the situation polarize, uh, paralyzes us. And that's why I'm really happy to interview uh, our own spiritual entrepreneur, Annabelle Park, our church president. You all know her. Um, in addition to being our church president, which is probably her most notable accomplishment, I would say, on her resume, but beyond the church, she has done other things. Um, she is one of the country's leading progressive political activists. And this last year, uh, her concern about climate change really led her to think about two issues, climate change and the lack of community. And she's la launched her own social venture called Mother Tree in Lost River, West Virginia. And it is something that we're gonna learn about today. So it's been really only since May that she's done it, but I think it's a really good idea, a good example of somebody who is looking at an a very difficult and abstract issue and finding a way to be active in the world to do it. And I think that's really our obligation is not to wring our hands and say, there's nothing we can ever do. And it's, um, you know, it's to figure out what role can we play because uh, God has put us in that role in the world to be active. So with that, I'd like to um, ask Annabelle some questions about her social venture. Um, before I start uh, with just questions, Annabelle, is that a fair summary of, of, of where things stand that I, yeah. I just you're doing? Yeah, I mean, I, I do feel like there are facts of the matter and there's a science behind climate change and that even though politically it's polarized, I mean, there, there's a, there's a, there are facts that I think people should consider first and foremost. Um, I want to apologize because I had a little emergency <laughs> which forced me to go to Lowe's today. So I'm actually with my doggies at, at Lowe's in Harrisonburg right now. <laughs> um, but uh, I, um, the thing that I really want to stress uh, about what I'm trying to do, and this is something I've just been really discovering is um, I think this right now with climate change, with COVID, with so many things, it really is a challenge for us to think about how we can act as, um, as a we, 
you know, as a community. And and I, I think it really does alter, we have to alter something that is deeply in our psyche, in our spirituality about what constitutes our, our identity. And, and so I think climate change to me is very much like COVID. If we can start to act collectively, we can address it in a powerful way. And so I think, so, you know, we talk about climate change right now in terms of polar bears and um, ice caps melting, sea levels rising. But to me, it's, it's also about us in reckoning with, have we been wrong about how we understand who we are um, as individuals? Um, and as a society, I mean, I think it, it raises huge existential questions um, and not just because it's interesting philosophically, but I, I do think it's it, survival is at stake that unless we figure out how we can um, act um, as a we, we're just, we're, we're bound for distinction. I mean, I really do think that. and. And thinking that way makes me very anxious on a day-to-day -day basis. <laughs> and I, I, I struggle with anxiety, as Rich knows, um, about so many things that require uh, collective action. And, I, and so that's what I would really like to focus on. Is, and, and this is why I am involved with the church, because I think the church gives us an opportunity to really bond um, in a way that most people don't get to bond at the, at the, at the level of our souls. Um, and I just think we need more of that. We need more opportunities to bond with each other at that soulful level in order for us to um, respond to climate change. And so part of what I'm doing in Lost River is not only trying to figure out like how can I have less impact on the planet, but how, how could we form a strong community here? What, what makes us connected to one another? It's a real mystery. Yeah, you've raised some really good points mm -hmm. there. So it's, it, it's, it's really interesting how you've tied climate change in with community. And you know, one of the um, hallmarks of the industrial age, the modern industrial age, was it really, um, in, in really good ways, it talked about the power of the individual. We weren't just part of a group. We could have individual thoughts, individual freedom. And capitalism said that, you know, if I work really hard, I can make, you know, a successful life for myself. And it, there was just a lot of good things about that. And we're experiencing now a lot of the downsides of that too, which is we've really come to see ourselves so much as individuals and it's led to, you know, more of a selfish attitude. And at the same time, we, we, we burn those fossil fuels, not much thinking about um, the consequences because it was more here and now, and it's about me. And it's clear we have to shift to this focus of we, like you're pointing out. Can you describe a little bit about, so your, your community, like how did you come to this idea? And um, I, I know you have your vision board. If you want me to put that up as a screen share, I can do that. Yeah, could you, that would be great, yeah.
you want to walk us through the what so how did you come to this vision of doing this uh, social event this spiritual entrepreneur program in Virgi west virginia and you're on mute right now oh i apologize um yeah i've been dreaming about what some people would call an eco village for years um and an eco village is a is basically the idea is for a group of people to agree to live ecologically and to share resources such as energy, right? And perhaps other social resources like elder care or child care or growing food. And it, to me, that is kind of genetically how many of us were meant to live. We're, we're meant to live in a cooperative way in a kind of village and so not not isolated in this into these cells in a, a very large kind of uh, detached impersonal system but to, for us to get to know one another and support each other in, in this kind of organic way through various stages of life and as you can see here i mean these are things that um i think a lot of us would like to have in our community within easy reach you know, healthy living, yoga classes, um, intergenerational living, children and older people socially mixing, continuous learning, animals, um, fresh organic vegetables, living in close proximity to nature or in nature. And housing that has just as little impact on the planet as possible. Um, and dogs, <laughs> a dog park or or a group of dogs is something that is definitely a big um, cornerstone in my life. Um, and communal living, people having meals together, places to walk. I have a feeling a lot of people here on this call would like a number of the things that are in, in these photos. I hope we get a chance to discuss that. Um, so yeah, so that's that's basically something, it's like a fantasy and in Lost River, um, I don't have a property that's big enough to have like a real village with a number of different houses, but there is a yoga studio. So we're offering classes and, and we're building community through meditation and yoga classes at the moment. It's deeply um, moving, actually. I, I had two classes today, meditation, yoga, and I, I, I always feel so grateful for the practice and the community because I feel like in those classes is just like when we come to church, we really become a we. Um, and then we're, we have cows on the property. I'm thinking about getting goats um, or alpacas, one of them. <laughs> I don't think I can do both. Um, and I am going to grow vegetables in spring. Um, and you know, I, I met, I had a, a lovely conversation with a family today that lives in the area who came to um, an outdoor screening we did last uh, September of Princess Bride. And apparently this girl, she's 10 years old. She keeps talking to her parents about the, the Princess Bride screening she had. And she's never going to forget that because it was so memorable for her. So I think those are the things that to me make for both um, community, but also health and happiness, and hopefully also climate resilience. Excellent. Okay. I hope that makes sense to people. It does, and there, and there will be time for mm -hmm. questions right after the services we always mm -hmm. do, but 
Um, so the other, so this is really interesting, the idea of have, moving up to a way, which is definitely building community. And um, how would you respond though, to someone who says, you know, you're gonna build so many eco homes maybe, and you're gonna do, but you're not really doing a systems change that's required to really stop the planet from heating up. What's your, what would be your response to someone who says, this is, it's not enough. You know, it's, it's good for you, but it's not good for everybody. It's not enough of a we. How would you respond to that? Yeah, I mean, I think in order to address um, systems change, again, one, you have to have enough people to buy into saying that's important for us to get behind, either financially or as a community. So it, it always requires people to get behind these systems changes. Um, in, even at the level of advocacy, I mean, you can't advocate for things effectively without support from the majority or good part of the majority. Um, and secondly, I think we need exploration. We need people to be experimenting. And I think one of the things that I'm interested in experimenting is housing. You know, can we create a template for housing that addresses both climate change and the need for affordable housing and communal living, right? Because what we, what we come up with in Lost River could become scalable so that it can be done in any number of places. Then it becomes systems change if we can create a template, right? Yeah. So, yeah, so that's why it's like, I, I don't, you know, it's not like we, we have the power to tell, you know, Exxon and, and Shell and these other fossil fuel companies what to do, but I think we can start to um, change our demand. Like, what do we demand? You know, and what we're demanding, in my opinion, is renewable energy, uh, more opportunities for us to um, create a community-based solution to climate change, to food, to all sorts of things that right now rely on mass-scale production. Yeah, what I what I really like about what you're saying is that all all great mm -hmm. ideas are on entrepreneurial ideas pivot, they change and they evolve mm -hmm. and they grow. But you have mm -hmm. to start. You have to do something. You can't just talk about it in the abstract. Right. You got to do something. I also like mm -hmm. the idea that um, housing, if it changes, and mm -hmm. it's and, and the energy needs of houses change, that is a incredibly global strategy. I mean, it's incredibly uh, a great idea. Yes. So yeah. That, that is really, I mean, everybody needs a house. And if we could live in what would be more energy, simple houses in the future, which seems like a must, people are going to have to pilot that. And uh, I think that's just a perfect mm -hmm. example of doing something. Yeah. And also, like, if you, if we can create communities, people will be more hopeful, happier, healthier, and that's very important right now for any kind of movement building because there's right now a lot of depression and illness and hopelessness. And you can't build a movement without people you know, being able to have the energy and the hope to, to move forward on these big ideas and big solutions. Yeah, you're, you're taking on two of the biggest challenges. Mm -hmm. One is the loneliness epidemic that we're experiencing Mm -hmm. uh, worst in, the, in, in recorded history, and then also climate change, and you're doing it 
together, which is really beautiful. And um, yeah, I think you're, and I think also we're, it's great having you as a church president because church as we know it is going, it's going by the wayside. It's, it's evolving, something different is happening, but the need for community has never been greater. So I think that we have to evolve and be that we, um, it's very common for people to say to me, like, I'm spiritual, but not religious. I don't need to go anywhere, but I do have some sort of spiritual life, which is awesome. But I think it's not enough. I think there is a requirement at some level to be with others, to do things with others and to build a we there too. So I really like the various places you're intersecting. My, my final question before we move on with the service and we'll, we'll open it up to everybody is, um, how would you say spirituality impacts what you're doing? You're, you've kind of alluded to it, but how does your own spirit lens look at all this? Yeah, I mean, I think at the deepest level for me, uh, my spiritual journey has to do with not being alone in the world mm. um, and being at home in the world. And I think being in Lost River, working on this project, being in nature, being with animals, um, having neighbors, having like-minded people join me for classes and church, like all those things contribute to my sense of feeling at home in the world, you know, and not alone. And so, um, so yeah, that's, that's basically to me, what is the, what is the, what is a spiritual quest? Like it intersects with the spiritual quest that I've had like all my life. Wow. I think that's a beautiful way mm -hmm. to describe it, how to be at home mm -hmm. in the world. And that requires mm -hmm. both community and it requires a world that's uh, not in decay, complete decay. So, mm -hmm. well, thank you so much, Annabelle, for being our spiritual entrepreneur sermon interview. Mm -hmm. We'll do more of these with others. And it's good for our mm -hmm. community that people get to know really what you're doing. We've heard about it in the abstract, but it's nice to hear about it. So thank you for all you're doing uh, on the community front and for the church and for climate change. Mm -hmm. And we'll have thank questions you. service. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Annabelle. And so let me see. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Spiritual Resilience Podcast with Reverend Rich Taffel. We invite you to reach out to us with your questions and comments, as well as proposed topics for discussion. Sending you love and light. Till next episode.